Temple Weekly Review. This week we're going to be reviewing Coroner's album Punishment for Decadence, released in 1988. We're going to be also reviewing Cult of Luna's Mariner, released in 2016. And also Black Sheep Wall's new album Songs for the Enamel Queen, released in 2021. So, Floyd, shall we start with Coroner? Yeah, this, this is the oldest album we've done, haven't we? That's what we were it's saying. It's an ancient album. The year I was born. It was oh, released man. six days before I was born. I didn't mean to call it ancient. Yeah, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I did not realise you were born then. But yeah, so it's a banger, Coroner. Um, it's great. Really. It's, the thing is with um, Thrash, I feel like we're all kind of, we're a bit like the generation that's probably a bit too young to have gotten to Thrash when we were getting into the scene. Mm. It's kind of like the, the uh, generation before us, but... Um, it's always refreshing for me to hear a band that's so fucking sick that's not part of connected to the big four because I feel like the big four gets so much of the lion's share when it comes to attention and stuff but there's so many other good bands there and I just love the whole like technical approach to thrash and you can see how it's become like you can see how an album like this album is such an influence for like later bands even bands like Death who we covered last week yeah Necrophagist and stuff like you know you can hear the neoclassical elements in it that I feel like um has done a lot for the scene and is probably quite underrated. Like I didn't know, I didn't know much about Coroner, and then when he really explored their music properly this week. But you actually uh, saw them live, didn't you? I saw them. The reformed. They reformed after. So they broke up, I think, in '96, and they reformed about 14 years later. And they played Bloodstock, Hellfest, and some other festival shows. They were fucking brilliant. They were really, really good. Yeah. Um. The the like. The mixing, the sound was amazing, the bass tone is out of this world. Yeah. It's like crystal clear. It was ringing out across the back of the arena, of like a, a rather large arena. So yeah, I would recommend checking them out. They do play occasional shows and they've teased a new album. Oh, so Yeah, as well. That'd be a, that's quite a gap, isn't it? Well, the last album was what, 90? 93 or 4? Yeah. yeah. It's, um, I think the bass work's actually really good on the album as well. You kind of hear, like, even for an album at this time, it's, I think it's quite well mixed and produced, like, all the elements come through quite mm. um, clearly. Apart from the vocals, I mean, they're a bit lost in the mix, but that's kind of thrash, you know, like, thrash vocals have always been a bit, well, I wouldn't say shit, but, like, you know, <laughs> a bit uh, underdeveloped, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think the production improves over time. I think their last three albums, for me, are, are the best. And I think yeah. they really come into, like, the more proggy, like tech def kind of stuff. Yeah, not more polished, I'd say. Really yeah. polished, yeah. Like yeah. they've obviously improved like a huge amount. They've probably played like a shit ton of shows and then just become way more sure of their instruments and stuff like that. Yeah. It's kinda of cool. That kinda of reminds me, you know, in a way of how Sugar's uh, career kind of spanned out because they started like probably more like more like a technical thrash band, kinda of similar to this thing, but it just became more and more kind of machine like yeah. kind of like a well oiled beast. But um, it's funny, when I listened to, because I went and explored the whole discography because I was so impressed with this album, listened to it properly, and um, you, you see a real clear progression through their uh, discography. Like, and we were talking a little bit about the, uh, the demo, which features uh, our man, uh, Tom G. Warrior on vocals. And um, that sounds just like, almost like trad metal-esque, like it's very um, Merciful Fate-esque and has a lot of like classic thrash and speed metal influences. And the debut album, R.I.P., had it still retained a bit of that and even had a bit of the Celtic Frost vibe, which makes mm -hmm. sense, you know, if it'd been countrymen with the Celtic Frost. Roadies as well for Celtic Frost. Yeah, which yeah. I think was a really cool fact. Yeah. Um, and then this album I felt like was they were kinda of the crossroads between being like a like a, a technical thrash band while still retaining the 
the rhythmic sensibilities of like the motion elements of a lot of thrash music at that time. Mm, yeah, I feel like lyrically as well, like there are moments where it's like really cheesy. Like, <laughs> which I really like, there's like, there's, there's a song called Skeleton on Your Shoulder, and the lyrics are, Skeleton on your shoulder, I'll show you your greed. Skeleton on your shoulder, I'll bring you to your knees. I taste as sweet as honey, but I'm dangerous like a snake. Do you think that song's about the guy that made his uh, uncles? <laughs> <laughs> That's prophetic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my favourite song on the album is Masked Jackal, and it's like this awesome like, political kind of take on, on leaders like actually just being like masked and masked and fake and predatory, which I really liked. It's like I feel like that that's my favourite song on the album. But like I mean Skeleton on, on your shoulder, it's like it's so funny because to me Coroner are like this like incredible high up serious band and then like they've got songs like Skeleton on your shoulder. It's a really good song. Like yeah. that song is brilliant. But yeah, it just it's just really funny. Sure, that's kinda of like thrash lyrics though, isn't it? Like yeah, like exactly. a band like like yeah. nuclear assault as well, they've got someone called Hang the Pope and it's just fucking what's his name? Dude scream hang the Pope for one minute and <laughs> twenty seconds. But do you know, I actually agree with you, Mars Jackal is my favourite track on the album, and there's a bit of it that kind of really blew my mind. There's like uh, one part that's just an absolutely ridiculous, like neoclassical segment with the yeah. guitars. I was just like, well, this shit is in fucking insane. But at this period of time as well, like obviously people like Ingway Mouse team, and that's always existed for a long period, but it's so good to hear someone, uh, a band, managed to combine elements of, like, like I was saying, the rhythmic sensibilities of thrash, which are very, you know, they're quite Neanderthal at times, you know, it's very about, you know, just a good riff and a good mosh. But it's, um, they've done a real good job of combining just the technical wizardry of band, you know, the way the scene would develop in years to come. Yeah, there's an instrumental track on the album as well, that, like, neoclassical stuff really shines. There's, like, some real Bach-style Malmsteen-esque guitar yeah. on it, and it's, it just becomes, like, really elaborate, intricate, and, and, like, really developed. And then they go back into that, like, thrashy, yeah. where you can kind of hear it in the background, it's not so overt. But I like that they did that, they had that, like, bridging part of the album with the instrumental. Yeah, it's good, it's interesting. And then, like... I will say I'm not the biggest fan of the Jimi Hendrix cover at the end. It just feels like a bit like a bonus track and a little bit out of place. I mean, as much as I am a fan of Jimi Hendrix, but I mean, there was a really cool part at the end, but it kind of sped up a little bit again. Yeah, it was quite yeah. a cool touch. Yeah. But um, yeah, I kind of get what you're saying lyrically. I mean, there's one track which I thought was quite interesting, and I think it's something that I think I will cover a little bit with the Cold Lunar albums. It's about going to space. But there's one track called Voyage to Eternity, and I kind of got the gist of it being about a cosmonaut being lost in space and kind of like drifting off and just kind of accepting the fact that he was just lost to all eternity. Awesome. And I thought that was kind of cool, you know, so the, when you've got the lyrics of like a skeleton on your shoulder, you've also got some <laughs> lyrics that are, uh, <laughs> they're actually not too bad. And I think, you know, you've always got to give credit to people when English isn't their first language. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'm sure if I tried to write lyrics in um, German or French or Italian, it'd be just yeah. um, beyond terrible. Yeah, it's the same with like, you know, a lot of bands like Cult Luna, like, not that the lyrics are bad, it's just you can tell, in a way, when someone's first language is in English, when they like, when they write lyrics, in, if anything, it sounds cooler a lot of the time, because you get this sense of mystery and like, yeah. this further sense of like, obscure meaning, which is actually quite interesting yeah. to experience, like, as a listener, which I quite like. Yeah, I agree, because I feel like sometimes when you've got people whose native language is English, the lyrics could be a bit too overly verbose at times. Yeah. I think there is there is a place for that, but I feel like maybe sometimes they spend too much time making the lyrics sound clever, mm. where there's an honesty in a band that are just 
well, they wouldn't have used fucking Google Translate back in 1988, <laughs> but you know, there's just obviously some of the lyrics are just literal translations, but there's more honesty in that, and I feel like the message is a bit more direct, whereas sometimes, you know, I like mysterious lyrics every now and again from bands that are overly uh, verbose who have like really developed vernaculars. It's not to sound like there's fucking bands myself, but um, it's, um, no, it's just good. I just like some good fucking honest, earnest music sometimes where the message is just nice and simple. I think that's probably why Master Jackal was my favourite track as well. I think the lyrics are very clearly yeah. about the um, the two-faced nature of politics and, you know, the, how corrupt just that entire facet of society is. Yeah. Yeah, I really respect that about the band. Like, they obviously... I feel like they're very no-nonsense, they don't take themselves potentially too seriously. We were discussing how there was talks of them reforming in like 2004, 2005, and they were like, the, the quote on Wikipedia said that, you know, we, we are only interested in, um, what was it, like, reheating spaghetti bolognese, or like spaghetti <laughs> sauce, or something like that. I've completely heard of it, but whatever. <laughs> oh, now I'm fucking hungry. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm really glad they reformed in the in the 2010s, and like they talked about writing their new album in 2015 for the first time. Yeah. So it's been about five years, but they tweeted last April about the fact they were going to the studio. Yeah. So hopefully we're gonna get loads of Corona shows in 2022. That'd be cool. It's always intriguing to hear bands come back after such a prolonged hiatus from recording, because I feel like. It's good that they've been touring first, because I feel like if a band, say, done like a little bit of touring, then went to re-record an album, it always seems to kind of fall short of everybody's expectations. But I think it seems they've had quite a few years, because they've been performed for quite a while now, so... Yeah, I think I think it's going to be like Carcass. I think they're going to do, yeah. like, they, they played some shows and they were like, yeah, this is sick, and they just yeah. wrote an incredible album. So I feel like we're just going to hear where they're at now musically, which is, can only be better, Yeah, I feel. But it makes sense. I think it will be a good album because when you look at a band like Carcass, who are so influential to so many different uh, aspects of heavy music, I feel like Coroner, you can say the same about them. You mm. can see that there's obviously some clear influence on a lot of the tech death bands and the sort of even the modern overly technical thrash bands like uh, Vector, for example. Like, I could totally see how this is their direct um, kind of descendants of the style laid down by Coroner. And I think that they could also come back and produce something that's you know, that's relevant in today's day and age. At the gates, the same as well, you know, they were gone for fucking years, came back with an album that was pretty sick, you know, better than it had to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I think Corona, like, you know, they're, they're later albums as well. I don't know if you listen to, like, uh, Mental Vortex and, and those, like, the ones released in the 90s. Those ones, I feel, have loads of doom and, um, like, yeah. a lot of stuff that's influenced bands, like, maybe even Electric Wizard and stuff like that, because, like, yeah. the bass is beastly as fuck on those albums and they're using like some Middle Eastern rhythms which they also do on this one one of the tracks you can hear the drums start doing like an actual like Turkish beat which is really cool but yeah like I like how they they just kept developing and they've 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 influenced like at least four or five different genres I'd say yeah which is really impressive and I think I think we kind of don't um there's so many bands from like the 70s and 80s that are like that that we've forgotten about so it'd be cool to dig some more up yeah, but it's got, and I think that's just the uh, one of the downsides of not releasing music in a digital sort of era because mm. there's a lot of shit that's been forgotten about. That it's like me and Shem were talking about just discovering like old fucking 90s and 80s death metal gems that are just like, how the fuck has this been like a lane undiscovered for so long? And I yeah. think you could say that probably about any scene um, at that particular time because. 
like you know, I feel like it's, it's Coroner's one of those bands. I was used to see the name. They go, oh, that's cool. I'll, I'll, I'll check them out at some point. But I just didn't quite know what I was missing until I actually sat down and listened to it. Whereas if that, if they rose to prominence during the the age of social media and the internet being what it is today, I feel like I would have had to. I would have been made aware of that much sooner. Yeah, they would be so much bigger, and they're already like. They're already a relatively big band. I think a lot of like um, metalheads are probably like the the older generation, like above us. I feel I feel like a lot of them just know who they are. Yeah. And like I feel like they're just maybe so they've been passed down, or maybe they need to be passed down. I don't know because I was made aware of them by like an older metal fan. He was like, "You've got to check these guys out. These yeah. guys are amazing." And I was like, "Holy shit!" And I would never have found them otherwise. I think I maybe maybe would have seen like a very rare occasional shirt or a patch or something. Yeah. They do have a really good logo. It's yeah, the logo is sick. Sick yeah. logo. And I like the the like the round artwork with like the orange. I do want to get a coroner shirt at some point. Yeah. Yeah. And the name Marquis Marky is a sick name as well. Marky so, Marky. Not to be confused with uh, Marky Mark, otherwise known as Mark Wahlberg. That's a lot of Mark. <laughs> that's a hell of a lot of Mark. Well, that's cool. I'm I'm quite. It's funny because I'm I'm normally quite dismissive of thrash. Cause like I was saying right at the beginning, I just feel like it's not it's mm. not my era. Yeah, I get you. But it's like um, I made a conscious effort a few years back just to try and discover some of the more uh, obscure bands outside of the big four. And then I really got into the German thrashing. I think that's arguably one of the best thrashings in bands like Creator and Sodom Destruction. But even the US has got lots of sick bands like, um, I don't know if you've ever listened to Toxic. Never okay. listened to Toxic, no. Similar to this band, super, super technical shit. Like, like I'm talking almost at a necrophagist sort of level as oh, well. Oh, I fucking love necrophagists. Yeah. That's funny because when you said them, I thought they were going to be like a hair metal band. <laughs> like a guy or something. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Toxic. <laughs> yeah, it sounded like that. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll have to let you listen to some. It's super, super technical shit, but it kind of reminds me of this. And bands like a Mekong Delta as well are really good. They're yeah, another uber, uber technical thrash band. And I think it's quite a good niche uh, sort of pocket of thrash because I feel like... Um, the sort of thrash that, say, the big four were peddling is the sort of music that a lot of death metal and black metal bands kind of took the template of and improved upon. So I feel like thrash is quite um, redundant in a lot of aspects because mm. I felt like it's, it's kind of been left behind by the way uh, other subgenres have taken the, the core elements of it and just further expanded upon it. But um, back to uh, good old Coroner. Yeah. Um, no, great. I love the album. Um, I thought the New Breed was a really good track. Mm. Um, I thought that had a real sort of frenzied and uh, frantic sort of thrash vibe to it. And like I've said before, like I like it when the music reflects the lyrical content. Yeah. And from what I've gathered from the lyrics, it's about people being born or kind of conditioned to war and warlike environments and conditions growing up. And I felt like you know the music really had that sort of frenzied and almost kind of ominous vibe to it which was cool because a lot of the other songs have got that because thrash sounds quite happy to me yeah a lot of times like it's quite a jovial kind of but like um i like that track because it was a show that the band were a bit more um dynamic than your average and you know working more with sort of harmonics and the tone of the guitars and stuff and it was cool that they kind of mixed it up a bit something that i really um enjoyed was the fact that they fit 10 tracks into 38 minutes of music which is something that I'm not used to because I usually listen to like doom albums and stuff. <laughs> yeah, where it's like one track in the yeah, minutes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not used to that that quantity of like different music 
different music, different songs in, in that short amount of time, which I really, I thought was cool. I think that's helped by the way the album flows. Like if you yeah. weren't paying attention to the track list, and I think it flows quite well. Yeah. Like you wouldn't notice. Uh, sometimes it's a bit hard to tell when the track's even ended and the other one's begun because I think, um, and I, I, I fucking, I love a good fade out as well. And they faded the album out, which I thought was cool. And I think, you know, that always sounds pretty rad. Yeah. Growing up, I mean, like I've said pretty much everything that um, I think about this album. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think it was a, a great discovery for me at uh, a relatively late stage in my uh, musical journey to the metal realm. Because it's not, it's not very often, I oh, this sounds so elitist, but it's not very often I discover a band where I'm, that I ha one that I haven't heard of or at least explored somewhat, but two, I'm quite excited by the music as well. Awesome. Yeah, so awesome. it's cool. So this is a good, a good album to review. And it's an album that I will be spinning often. Sick. I'd give this a good 8 out of 10. Ah, this, yeah, I, I'd be inclined to agree. Yeah. It's a, like I said, I'm a bit like a broken record, but I do have to be in the mood for thrash. It's not my go-to sort of subgenre, because I feel like, I do feel like for the largest, for the large part, um, Death Metal took the the core elements of thrash and just Made it improved it tenfold. 100%. So. Yeah. Like, and you know, I mean, you just need to listen to Possessed Seven Churches just to hear the direct um, evolution of thrash metal, in my opinion. Uh, but no, this is great because it, it's something different, like I said, so I'd give it a solid 8 out of 10, I think. Sick. I liked it. I liked it too. That's our review. We liked it. It was very good. So that brings us on to Carl Blue Mariner with Julie Christmas. I'd, uh, I'd quite like to hear your take on this because I think you'd have a lot of interesting things to say about this album. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like, I've been listening to this album for years. Yeah. Um, and like, we're all big Coldwood fans. We got Magnus Lindbergh, who's one of the founding members of Coldwood, to actually mark to master the Lone album. Yeah. Um, and like, it's just amazing. You know, like he does. His production is like really good, and he just made the album sound like a thousand times better than it actually did so like yeah. i think we owe a lot of our success to magnus Lindbergh. so i'm just going to say nothing but nice things about cult luna because they're <laughs> an amazing band that's why we chose them anyway um but yeah like this is a really cool album i mean it followed two two albums that were kind of about like the inner city about like like you know structures and the outside and also like you know city life like vertical one and two and then in this one they're, they're kind of going more into the cosmic realm that is yeah. a space journey mariner is like you know the nautical in space which is a really cool thing because they, they did this in star trek i don't know if you guys if you guys have seen like some of you know the the introduction of like enterprise for example all the um the series enterprise all the enterprise ships actually originated from one naval ship in like the 1600s oh, and shit. that's like the history of the enterprise so it, it starts with like a galleon and it just starts like developing into like all these different kinds yeah. of vessel until eventually it becomes like a starship and i feel i kind of like this this aspect of mariner where it's like the it's like futuristic but it's also referring to like the past as well where you yeah. have like exploration of like the arctic of of like yeah, like there are, there are bits of it that remind me of like Shackleton in, in Antarctica. Yeah. And like being in the wilderness and having nothing, nowhere to go and this like bleakness that's beautiful but dangerous and deadly and you know, yeah. I mean it's it's a to me it's my favourite probably album for sure. And that partly mostly I think because of Julie Christmas's vocals and I yeah. think most people would feel that way as well. 
it's kind of like a marriage made in heaven, really. It's, I think it's a really good sort of partnership. And I think, judging by, like, interviews and stuff I've seen of them, I think they both kind of were really proud and really kind of stoked to how well it sounded. And her vocals are fucking amazing. I just say she's got such so a, good. a good, honest approach to delivering vocals. Um, mm. um, I thought it's, it's funny because it's, I'd say this is, uh, to me anyway, it comes across like a concept album in the truest sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, um, like I said, a lot of the lyrics I felt like were reflective of the music, I should say, is quite reflective of what's happening in the lyrics. Like, mm. the first track of Greater Cole, I feel like that's about, you know, kind of realising that the planet's dying and they've got to kind of go off and search for perhaps another home. And um, and you kind of hear it in the song. There's a bit where, you know, it starts off almost like, it's almost a bit like a launch pad sequence. You know, it's quite, there's a lot of build-up, which is what Cult of Lunar are actually, you know, in my opinion, that's their strong suit, is how well they can build on an atmosphere and it kind of builds to this moment where it's just, you know, pretty euphoric. But yeah, there's a part in the first song where it's just like a complete blast off segment. And I think um, uh, Magnus, no, it would be uh, Johannes was say, saying as much in the documentary that, you know, that is, that's pretty obvious and evident that there's like the moment where it's the blast off of the music and in the concept of the album. And it's, uh, yeah, I just think it's really cool. and. You hear it in the first three tracks that are a bit sort of shorter in length, like they're quite they're quite accessible, whereas the last two tracks are a bit longer and a bit more sprawling. And that, that feels more like an exploration of music, which ties into where they are in the story, which feels to be exploring the more deeper elements of space. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like the the, the, the kind of I feel like there's like a high point of the album during like the wreck of the SS Needle, which is my favourite song. Yeah. Because it's so it's so like frantic, um, and like Judy, Judy Christmas's voice in that song is incredible. Like the how versatile it is in that one song alone. Yeah. And like her cleans are just so they're like crystal clear and beautiful, and she has so much color in her voice and so much strength behind it but at the same time it's like kind of fragile yeah but like not in a way that's like a negative way and just like a really beautiful way yeah and then she'll like burst into these like distorted kind of screams yeah and wails and stuff in, in a way that like it, it almost reminds me of lingua ignota even though it's not the same in any way it's not like i was thinking that yeah but like this there's this still this incredible like mastery of her voice where you can tell she's she's like really deftly communicating with it like every aspect of like the emotion of what she's trying to convey in the song and what what Cult of Luna are trying to do and like that's even more impressive considering the fact that they didn't even meet each other until halfway through the album yeah that's crazy recorded because yeah. she's in America and those guys are in Sweden and they were just doing everything like over email and electronically yeah. so that's just so it's like truly a piece of art that it seems so seamless the way yeah. it's been recorded it seemed to be in the work for a while, because I remember hearing that they met at a festival in London, it was the Beyond the Redshift Festival, I believe, mm. and, um, and kind of like where they were talking about maybe working on something even as far back as then, it was kind of just something that was kind of just, they were both waiting to happen. But no, yeah, you're right, I mean, you would, you would, I would have presumed that this would have been, they would have recorded this together yeah. from beginning to end, because it mm. sounds like such a good union like it's just so um, so synergistic to quote the Americans, such an American term. It's <laughs> a Simpsons but... episode about that word. <laughs> <laughs> but it's uh, but yeah, they just it's just just 
gels so well together and like even in the vocals which i think is super varied throughout the yeah, whole album because like a johannes who i believe is doing the bulk of the cult in the vocals is um he's got like that classic like fucking like distorted roar that you hear in a lot of fucking metal but like you said she's got so much more of an earnest approach to vocals and they're similar to lingua nota in the fact that it's um it's very human mm. and um and it's just like an even so even slightly cartoonish at times. Yeah, part of the vocal, it's really it's really fucking eerie. Do you know what I mean? It's like just the way she's kind of like delivering it, and then it just kind of builds up to this weird sort of cartoonish, say even juvenile voice into something. She sounds like a child sometimes, yeah. and it's really like uncomfortable. Yeah, it, like I don't know. I, I I don't mean that in a negative way at all. Have you listened to her other projects um, that aren't current any, like they're not together anymore, but made out of babies? Yeah, see, I'm, I'm a lazy fucker because you lot were telling me about the other shit she's been doing. And I haven't yeah. listened to any of it. It's, it's good stuff, man. It's like, it's well worth checking out. She's legit, like, one of the best male vocalists, if you yeah. can. Yeah, like, she's just fucking good. I'm really glad that there are women out there who are like, who like, you know, there's just so many different female voices. And yeah. that's just a great thing. I, I'm, like, it just... In the face of all those people who are like, you know, female fronted, like you cannot, we've already had this rant, I don't need to go into it, but it's just, it's just like a beautiful example of the fact that there is no one singular voice of women. Yeah. yeah. No, I 100% agree. And you know, it's, it's, it's always refreshing for me as someone who also performs vocals to hear vocals that are um, individualistic and, yeah. and have their own unique characteristics that you can hear the personality come through because like you know you can listen to i could listen to about fucking 2000 death metal bands with all of the same grunting or same black metal bands with the shrieking you know and it's it's after a while it just wears really thin and it's yeah. like you just tend to just ignore the vocals yeah. but here i think it's you know what they've done a really good job of is uh perfectly balancing the instruments with the vocalizations that are on the album like you know it's it's like i said it melds so well um and I think, you know, to Cole Luna's credit, that's something that I feel like has definitely always been their strong suit, just the way they can compose these uh, soundscapes that are so expansive. And there's always, I think we were saying this, there's always that moment where they just fucking hit you with like a riff or a yeah. part that's just like really fucking like groovy or intense. My favourite track on the album is, so I don't know why I said mice aloud, then that was ridiculous. <laughs> favorite track on the album is probably uh, Chevron, the second track, because I just really, I love the contrast between um, just the fucking, I love it when vocals like a fucking, it sounds like they're dueling. Yeah, like, yeah. Going over each other, like you got your hand is like fucking roaring like a madman, and she's just like, and I believe that's the track where she's got like the slightly cartoonish voice and it just escalates and escalates. So she's doing a weird, like kind of like frantic yelling which I think is just super, super cool. And the music's sick. It's got a really crunchy riff when, a bit when they're saying, oh, the beast has come to gloat. Mm. I just think it just sounds so fucking cool. Yeah, the lyrics are, like, really ethereal on this album. Yeah, it's... Um, I think there's a, there's a fair bit of... I interpreted it as if there's a fair bit of allegory in some of the lyrics. Yeah, definitely. Like, I felt like one of the tracks, um, I felt like they were talking about... Um, well, I feel like Chevron is talking... I thought that was maybe talking about Mother Earth and Mother Earth rebelling against humanity. I thought the Beast is maybe referencing Mother Earth and the fact that she's come to gloat and say, like, you know, you may think you could have, you've done your damage to me, but ultimately I'm always going to win. You can never fucking, you know, defeat me. So I feel like a lot of people are quite ignorant of 
things such as Mother Nature and the damage we do to it, even in this day and age, where I think we're all a little bit more conscious of it now. But not enough. Like, no, the world is definitely 100% fucked. No, near enough. And I think it's, I love it when I hear it in uh, media and art forms where people like turn it into something that we can perceive as a threat, whether that be through mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily a villain, but someone who is. Save the frogs with uh, David Ambrose. And... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is cool shit. I mean, I, I, I've, I've been listening to this album a lot since it was released. Same. And I had very. Um, I was very privileged to uh, see it performed live at Damnation as well. Oh, you were at those shows. Yeah, That's it was awesome. fucking sick. It was um, it was a little bit because the thing is, um, you've been to Damnation. Before? Yeah, yeah. The thing is, you've got to be a fucking absolute godly timekeeper to get to to see the bands you want to see, because like if you're like say front row and you want to watch someone else on the next stage, like the main stage then like good luck even getting into that room like yeah. you've got to make sure you're leaving five minutes early to get a good spot and that's uh, annoyingly that's kind of what happened with these guys like i was right at the fucking back so i would like to have been a bit closer and it's uh, i love damnation but like it's such a long room the main stage yeah i had that experience because i was there i would see electric wizard in the front row so i had to go and stay in the front row for like two bands before them just to, yeah. to be able to see them because i knew that room fills up really quickly and i can't get in yeah, it's, it's impossible. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was an amazing performance at Damnation. Watching that was that was good, and I felt like uh, they'd done a really good job of um, uh, just um, kind of transferring the sound and atmosphere of the record to the stage. Like it, it sounded exactly the fucking same. That's so impressive. Just in a live sense, it was that much more intense and amazing. And, and Cult of Luna are uh, similar to Meshuggah in the sense they've got the fucking pulsating lights and stuff, and it's just really Damn. disorientating in a good way. Maybe not if you're epileptic, but, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but it's. Uh, but I thought it was pretty fucking cool. Nice. That's but, really impressive. But it's great, and uh, I, just, I just want to say I, this is a really good album, and I think it's. Uh, I love it when you've got uh, a collaboration that's a collaboration in the true sense. Like it's not just like oh, that some person's guesting and doing a bit of vocals. Like this is. And they were saying this as much as this in the documentary that they kind of gave uh, Judy Christmas free reign on her parts. Amazing. And she was saying that she was saying when I got there, it wasn't like okay, we want you to be here and do this. It was like you know, your this is your project as much as it is ours. Yeah. So I think, and you know, it's only when you have that kind of equal partnership and collaboration that you get something that's truly unique. Because otherwise, it's just one artist dominating the other artist, and it's just. You know, just a slightly modified version of a sound that already existed, whereas this was like a true union, in my opinion. And I think that's reflected in how critically acclaimed it is. I mean, 100%. I haven't met many people that dislike this album. I don't think I've met anyone that dislikes it. I think it's it's a classic album in its, in its genre, and I think it just gets better with time. Like, sometimes albums like this, either you don't get it when you first listen to it, or it kind of fades away, but this is done the opposite of both. It's just... You know, from the first I was like, yeah, this is solid, and then the more I listen to it, the more detail you can make out, and you're like, oh, there's this, like, kind of bit here that I never realised, or her voice here is, like, so, you know, as, a, as like, um, like, because we're both vocalists, I'm sure, it's, like, really cool to listen to from that aspect, because she's yeah. always doing something really interesting with her voice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, agreed. And uh, what, what I liked in the album as well, because you got the record of the SS Needle, that's just her on vocals, mm. and then the next track, Approach and Transition, is just... Um, Johannes and it's like it's it's funny because Wreck of SS Needle is such a such an ominous foreboding sort of track and it's you know it's quite got quite a calamitous vibe about it but approach to transition is very like you know post metally very yeah. like quite calm 
and it's it's just interesting how they took the time to have one song with just Julie on vocals another song just with Johannes and I thought it was just really cool to have they've got just that they've obviously put a lot of thought into how the um the vocals are composed and comprised which I think I always like I always appreciate as a vocalist myself mm-hmm. yeah. but, and the last track was amazing as well Cygnus which I think is the correct way to pronounce this the, yeah. one right the Cygnus yes yeah, so it's a it's a it's a nearby constellation on the Milky Way oh of course yeah uh, but yeah the Latin it's Latin for swan or Greek mm-hmm. Latin for swan and uh, I kind of saw this as quite an allegorical track so you've got the context of the the sci-fi aspect of the album about the 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 SS Needle, which I presume to be the ship or the vessel, you know, journeying into a in search of a new land or home. But I actually saw this as being quite allegorical about death, because I feel like it's kind of you know accepting your own journey to the unknown, which we all eventually end up having to take when we're at the end of our, our lives. I thought there was also like the needle was a reference to that biblical um, thing because like at the beginning in the first song they talk about like being really rich like fake riches yeah and then like kind of like the downfall being because of like this this obsession with wealth and there's that saying where, like um, isn't that the saying where you, you can't fit the riches of a of a rich man through the eye of a needle or something like that. Ah, that's quite. Yeah, no, it's to say it's like you can't. You can't it's something to the, the kingdom of heaven as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's about how point. you can't take your wealth with you yeah. into the next life. So that's how when I when I read the wreck of the SS Needle, I was like, oh, is that a reference to? Oh, that's very clever. I never thought of that. I don't very know if I'm just it's being possible. overly clever. But... Is that why the um, didn't the Egyptians used to bury themselves with shit tons of treasure, thinking that it would make a difference? Or yeah, they would take it with them in their next life, and they'd bury themselves with furniture and things like ah. that because they believed you. They they had these things called false doors in the tombs, which are like like doors that get smaller and smaller and smaller, and they believe that you died, you got up out of your body, and you walked through this door, and that would be the doorway into this like hellish journey. Yeah. And if you, you needed loads of riches to pay all the people, like the gods and the demons and the things that you'd meet on the way, otherwise they'd just devour your souls. If you were poor, you were just fucked. You're just automatically going to hell. Yeah. So it's like super important to have like a nice bed, a nice sofa, your servants, your wives, so they're all going to join you in the underworld. How die. disappointing for them. <laughs> I mean, they might not be wrong. Yeah, oh, actually, yeah, I don't know. I don't that's know. So, yeah, that's very productive to me. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they probably are. But maybe, you know... Well, they're dead, they don't fucking clue, so... <laughs> so, did you visit the pyramids when you went to uh, Egypt? How was it? I've always wanted Fucking wanted. incredible. Yeah. You should 100% go if you can. Like, I would, I would, I would love to go back. There's one thing I kind of regret. I went on my 21st birthday, and it was just after the Egyptian Revolution. So oh, yeah, shit. There were shit tons of broken glass. We were staying, like, just two roads away from Tapera Square. Yeah. Which is where, like, a lot of people got killed. And we went to the Egyptian museum and there's just people with Kalashnikovs and AKs fucking everywhere. It's like broken glass. It's like, is that a bloodstain? I don't know what that is. And, and the Egyptian museum is great because there's like a hundred cats just chilling out in, oh, shit, no in the museum cool. and outside the museum. And there's just cats just like sprawled over all these monuments and you like wander in and you're like, it's fucking cool. It's really fucking cool. But in the actual pyramids, you can go into the pyramids um, and like it's really claustrophobic. Because yeah. I remember, like, I, you, there's just like a hole in the pyramid, and then you, and there's like a really steep, or it's not a drop, but it's steep, and then you go down, and it's dark, and there's like 50 people going down at once. I didn't yeah. go in, but I saw pictures. It's just a room. You just yeah. go into a room, but like, I didn't do that. And I kind of, yeah. kind of want to. Yeah, yeah, that would probably freak me out a bit. It's a bit too claustrophobic for me. 
Yeah, it's freaky. Although I was when I was by Giza, this like guy, this Egyptian guy, had like a donkey, and he saw me. And he literally just came up to me and picked me up by my waist and put me on his donkey, and then tried to charge my parents. <laughs> I was like, oh my god! And this donkey smelled very strongly of piss. Yeah. It was really intense, like old piss. Yeah. And and I, I'm just sitting on this donkey. <laughs> I feel bad for the donkey. And this this old guy is just like kind of because my parents are the Arab and I thought we were really rich Arab people. And he's just like like making the camera sign at my parents' feet and then like you know yeah, yeah, tapping yeah. his his palm, being like, give me some money. I put your daughter on the donkey, and I'm just like, get me off. Yeah. I'm so scared. Fuck. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't ideal. But yeah, go to the premise. You know, avoid people with donkeys. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, I'll keep that in mind. I've always, I've just never really, well, I don't know, I've never really trusted donkeys. I've always been scared of getting kicked in the face by a horse. Oh, no, donkey. donkeys are really kind. Are they? They're yeah. really lovely. Yeah. Iranians and, I don't know if it's like a Middle Eastern thing, but donkeys are like super respected. Yeah. Because they're like really hardworking animals and they're actually like really sensitive emotionally. Yeah. And they're really affectionate. And oh, when they, cr cool. they cry like humans. Oh, sweet. It's so sad when they cry that they actually like properly wail. I'm, I've, got, I've got tears in my eyes thinking about donkeys crying. <laughs> <laughs> because there was a donkey crying at the pyramids as well. And like I just remember standing there being like, oh my god, this donkey's in pain. <laughs> You know, certain of a brother of mine who you also know was meant to be going uh, to Egypt the day of the lockdown. Oh my god, I remember! Yeah, yeah. he literally cancelled on the day because oh, so like, he, he so could bad. have flown out there if he wanted to, but he would have been fucking stranded. So. Yeah, that would be fucked. Yeah. yeah. I went to Sinai like right after Revolution 2, which is like something you weren't supposed to do. And there are about 10 of these checkpoints. Fuck. It's fucking scary. But in a way, it was one of the most exciting holidays I've ever had. Because yeah. for some reason, the threat of sudden immediate violence was like kind of exciting. Yeah. But I don't think I'd enjoy it now. Now I'm a little bit older and I've like experienced <laughs> more violence. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But yeah, back to uh, Cult of Luna. Cult of Julie Christmas Mariner. No, yeah. I, 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 what would you uh, rate this if you had to give it a rating? I think this is also an 8. I, I'd go a bit higher, personally. I'd go for Ooh, a nine. Nice. I really, I really like this album. Um, yeah. It's um, the first three tracks. I like the way it flows because the first three tracks are quite accessible, in my opinion, in terms of the structure. Like mm -hmm. they're quite easy to sort of get into and groove along to. And then I like the way it kind of sprawls out and is a bit more expansive than the last two tracks. And they kind of bring it back to the end of the last track, Sickness, which is a bit of a, an aura assault at the end. So. I just really like the way it flows, just everything about it, and the vocal performance is great. It sounds amazing, like, it just kind of echoes what you were saying about what you've done for your records, because what the group, um, who was it, was it Magnus? Magnus, so, yeah. Because yeah. I mean, everything on this album just sounds, like, fucking perfect. Yeah, he was really, really good to work with, as well. Like, yeah. he, he was just, like, really communicative, he responded really quickly, he got everything done, like, so fast, and he was just, you could tell he was really easy to work with, even though we didn't really work with him, yeah, like, yeah. on a musical level, but, like, yeah, you can just tell he's a really good guy to be in a band with, so, like, I have serious respect for them as musicians and yeah. and people, and, yeah, I think there's nothing I could think of um, improving on this album, not that I'm qualified to say so, but I think it's a perfect album. Yeah, it's really fucking good. Um, 
Have you listened to their newest album, by any chance? The one that came out... 2019. Oh, 2019. Because they released something recently, didn't they? Yeah, I think it was an EP. I've not listened yeah, to the like EP. Yeah, it's like a bridging oh. thing. Yeah. I didn't listen to the 2019 one. Is it's, it re- it's, re- it's really heavy. I think nice. it's called Dawn to Dream. I think it's called... But it's, it's, it's quite heavy, actually. It's one of their heaviest albums. But it's got quite a good vibe as well. I like all the material. Uh, a lot of the material is quite hard work. I think you've got to persevere with it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think you've got to really listen to the music. Yeah. yeah. But then it's worth it. I feel like, you know, music like that is worth listening to because you often the reward is often much greater mm-hmm. when you, you know, invest the time into it. Definitely. But yes, I think that summarises everything I, I want to say about that album. That is Marina. So that brings us on to Black Sheep Wall, Songs for the Enamel Queen. So um, this was a, a Nina suggestion. I fucking love Black Sheep Wall. They are... One of, they're like up there with my favourite bands. Um, I just love the, the album I Am Going To Kill Myself, which is a really good album. Um, and it has, it has songs on it that, for example, there's like a song on it called Metallica. Um, is that the 33 minute? Uh, it's a 33 yeah. minute epic. Which it, like, I, I was reading the lyrics and the reason it's called Metallica is because the, the, that song, the last song on this album, is basically the, the, the protagonist of the album is like writing a suicide note. Yeah. And in the suicide note, he makes like a kind of dark joke about Metallica. Yeah. <laughs> he makes a joke about Fade to Black. Yeah. And, um, and he's like, oh, I guess that's why they called the song that. So that's why the song's called Metallica. It's, they've got a real kind of like earnest and I keep saying the word earnest. Earnest like, and young. Yeah. <laughs> but like a real honest uh, approach to lyrics that I really like. It kind of reminds me a bit, not so much in style, but more so the, the honesty of it. Uh, J.R. Hayes from Pig Destroyer. Like he writes shit that's like, there's no real like narrative structure or anything. Like his words are maybe a bit more poetic. Whereas like when I was reading a lot of the lyrics, not so much for this album, because I couldn't actually find any- uh, There's no written lyrics for you yes. I, I, I did get a few snippets of the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah I managed to catch a few bits, listen to it. But, um, but yeah, but looking back on previous albums, it's very much like, it's, it's almost, like you said, it's like notes or like letters written to people, which I think is just a really cool approach to doing it. Because I think there's a certain art and making that captivated and not totally random and you know mm. too um too kind of um uh, what's one looking for they're just kind of it's it's not pretentious. Yeah. yeah i feel like they're like they're real experts in bearing the soul but like they don't care how it looks they're not trying to like embellish it anyway which i think some people try and poeticize it but these guys i don't know if, you, I don't know if you've ever read the work of chuck Palahniuk. The author. He wrote Fight Club. Um, yeah, I, I knew he was the guy that did Fight Club, but I've, I've never I've seen the film. Mm. But, um, his, his, he writes in a very particular style. Yeah. And like the style of writing, I feel personally, is like very similar to Black Sheep Wall in that like, it's, it's kind of like American Psycho as well, where like, he just doesn't care how he sounds. And he goes like real deep into like the true, like, Ugly isn't necessarily the right word, but like the true kind of um, bear. Yeah, there's no. He's not trying to spare anyone's feelings. He's just like, I'm bored. I don't want to be alive anymore. Fuck this. So the thing is with Black Sheep Ball is basically there was a band called Admiral Angry, and the guitarist died of cystic fibrosis, um, and that was like the end of Admiral Angry. But the band kind of carried on. At this point in time, only the, the singer is the is one of the original members um, in Black Sheep Wall. But there's a song um, on I'm Gonna Kill Myself where he's talking, He's it's like one of the most brutally sad songs I've ever 
listen to. It's like you can you can sense this like despair and anger and self-loathing and like all all this like really raw. This is like the linguistic motive for men. I feel in yeah. a way. <laughs> and like he like the lyrics are like I can't remember the off the top of my head, but he's like um, he's like I'm sorry, Dan. And Dan is like the guitarist of Admiral Angry, who's dead at this point. Yeah. And he's like he's like I'm I'm. So- I'm sorry, Dan. Um, I tried to. Oh, I'm really murdering us. I really hope they're not watching. He's like, I let you down again. I let you down Fuck again. This band. But he's like, I, I tried to, to do something to do with plans, and then other people took away. This city took my plans. Yeah. And then he's like, Fuck this band. Yeah. And it's just so like brutal because you can tell that he doesn't feel like he's able to carry on this legacy of this like incredible musician because Admiral Angry was like 99 percent. Dan, this is something that this guy has said in Black Sheep. Well, he said it himself. Oh yeah. He, yeah. I read an interview. And he said okay. it, um, and he was like, "Yeah, he did like he did the majority of the music, and then everyone else kind of did like tweaks and embellishments and stuff." So they're all he he obviously is like mourning the loss of his bandmate and like this change of of his life, and it's just so it's just so brutal. It's like so honest, and like I've never seen like honest that kind of honesty, like, on that level, because, like, usually sometimes the honesty is, like, it's beautiful sometimes, but this is, like, it's beautiful, but not the actual honesty itself. The honesty itself is, like, I, I'm, it's brave to yeah. fucking be that vulnerable, you know? Yeah. And, like, yeah, this is a continuation, like, the lyrics on this, what I did get, there's, there's like, in New Merchants of Failure, he's, like, I am the failure that feeds you, but the biggest mistake I could make was trusting the shithead that was me. And then later in the song, he's screaming, I hope you hate me. Yeah, fuck, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I caught similar uh, self-deprecatory lyrics. Uh, there's On the last track, Prayer Sheep from Wound and Nail, there's a bit where he's just screaming, I don't like who I am. It's just, like, it's just really fucking melodic, sludgy riff playing yeah. there. It's just like, yeah, this is fucking, I'm about this shit. Yeah. This is, this is, it's cool. I, I, I fucking, I super, super dig it, man. Mm. Uh, my favourite track on the album is probably Ren. I just I was saying a little bit of this earlier, but the uh, the uh, the trumpet or French horn, whichever instrument it is, just that over him screaming and the acoustic guitar just sounds so fucking like so nihilistic. Yeah. But like it's but like I said, it's brave. Like because it's fucking it does sound like someone's soul is being bared, and I just I just thought it was just super super fucking cool. Yeah, it's like this is proper fucking art. Like, yeah. these guys are just ripping themselves open and just, like, recording what comes out. And it's so it's so heavy. And I feel like this album is a lot more progressive than their previous ones. Like, I call... Like, I feel like they're, they're a bit more technical than instruments. There's, like, more, like... like oh, There's, like, those of arpeggios and shit in the first track, which is, like, really beautiful. And there were bits where, like, there are almost, like, islands of melody and, like, of light. And yeah. like it reminds me almost of like Elder's Reflections of a Floating World. Not that yeah. it sounds anything like Elder itself, but bits of it remind me of that instrumentation of that like kind of proggy technical aspect. Yeah, I think kind of echoing what you're saying. Like I totally agree. This sounds a lot more dynamic 
than previous releases. And I think one of the things that really impressed me, firstly, can I just say, the guitar sound is fucking ridiculously heavy. It's like drop G or some shit. Like, it is one of the most filthy, disgustingly heavy guitar it's sounds beautiful. ever. beautiful. I fucking, that guitar sound is one of my favorite things. Yeah, it's so fucking good. But what I think I like, and what I mean about like there being more dynamics is, you know, there's often times we could feel a song kind of foraying into like the, the vestiges of insanity somewhat, but they always bring it back into something that's a, a bit more musical. Yeah. And it kind of brings you in again. So just when it might be losing some people who might not be ready for something so fucking frenzied that fucking they hit you with another really super groovy, sludgy riff. Yeah. I think it's just really cool because it just keeps you on your toes as well. It so. does. Yeah, it's, it's just a fucking brilliant album. It's a total banger. I'm really excited about um, talking to these guys. It's just going to be really really um exciting i was reading some some like interviews that these guys have done and the vocalist brandon um i think gillick bauer is how you say his last name i'm really sorry if it's not please forgive me but he says that the lyrics um for new measures of failure and the album as a whole apparently they're autobiographical and personal yeah and he says it's probably the most honest he's ever been which is crazy because that's really fucking honest um, and he says that there are a few allusions to other people in his life, but overall it's focused on his personal issues, mentally and struggles with substance abuse, as well as acceptance of who he was and in some way who he'll always kind of be. Yeah, it's heavy shit. It's pretty heavy. Um, and obviously a lot of people are resonating with that because I was looking on their, on their band camp and they've sold out 500 copies of their vinyl, which yeah. is really fucking impressive considering it came out like less than two weeks yeah. ago. But yeah, it just shows that you know that's, that that people there is um, there is a demographic out there for people that want super. Well, I'm not going to use the word earnest again. <laughs> <laughs> but you did. <laughs> <laughs> They're just like super honest and like bearing your soul, just bolts to the wall, heavy shit. Like similar to like what we were saying, lingua noting. Like you know, there's 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 the people are craving for stuff like that because it's it's perhaps for some people it's easier to resonate with something that's music that's portrayed and performed by people who are so obviously hurting and like it's just that that's more e that's easier to resonate than something that is say quite polished or mm. you know um or overly poetic or overly verbose like what we were saying earlier um but yeah i just think i think it's cool that a band like this exists because i think it's something that kind of uh is uh it kind of needs uh, every so often the scene feels stale if you know what i mean like it's and I think when, within every sort of subgenre, there's a few bands that come along that just kind of just revitalize it a bit. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, and I don't really want to piss anybody off, but like a lot of stone and doom to me is quite boring and quite, a lot of it's about weed or, I, mean, I don't smoke weed. It's about but, weed know, and girls. Yeah, or Black Sabbath. And I'm like, you know, it's super fucking cool, and I know that's like it's a vibe, and people are into that. But, but it's like, not your vibe. But, <laughs> but it's like I fucking I really love abrasive sludge. Same. Like and just like that sort of like subgenre of doom that's just I think a bit more, uh, a bit more kind of fucking it's more like a stab to the heart as opposed to something that makes you want to just sit there and sort of mong out a bit. Yeah. I feel like there's more our energy, especially when you live in London. It's like kind of. There are times where, like, in the summer especially, I can kind of listen to some more stoner, like, chilled out doom. Yeah. But right now, with, like, a fucking pandemic and the world yeah. collapsing yeah. And, and, like, people just, like, being people is so much... I just feel like, you know, the human connection that you feel listening to music like this is, to me, far more 
um, like it's, it feels more special. It's more. It resonates more with me, and I listen to it harder because I can feel yeah. myself in it as well. You know, yeah. I feel like this this self-loathing and like lack of confidence, and this like honesty is something that that is a really good antidote to like this Instagram fucking veneer world that we live in, especially because you can't go outside now and all the, the yeah. interaction you get is with what people are presenting of themselves, which is always going to be like a shiny, amazing version, which for a lot of people will make them feel, not everyone, I'm not speaking for anyone here, but like, I'm sure there are people out there and I, I feel this way when you look at someone's Instagram profile and you're like, well, I'm like a, I'm a poor piece of shit. And yeah. like, I have no life, and <laughs> I'm so ugly, oh, I hate myself, I'm like, oh, you know, I don't have a house and an incredible job at X age and all this shit that I'm sure a lot of people feel. I don't know if that's, I, I doubt that it's the same as, as, um, as, you know, as this guy, but maybe there are, like, I feel like there are the same kind of, um, elements, let's say. So it's a really interesting point because, like, fucking, I'm relatively new to um, Instagram, and I feel like the feeds, your Instagram feed, is almost there to kind of knock you down a few pegs, like, because <laughs> yeah. you're someone who, like, I make, and you make the mistake of clicking on one or two similar theme posts, and that's all you're gonna get on your feeds. But like, I must have watched a few people like doing a few like deadlifts or a few like Olympic lifts, oh, and all of a sudden it's full of people who are like fucking half my size lifting three times the amount of weight. I'm thinking like, where are these motherfuckers, where are these fucking people living? Like, where, where are these people come from? Like, yeah. it's just, it's just so insane. Not like I feel, because I don't give a shit if someone yeah. is stronger than me or lives more than me. It's not, I'm not about that. But it's, um, but I can see how it's, um, how that would have a, an effect on people and kind of, Definitely. kind of propagates an unrealistic view of what you should aim to attain in life. A hundred percent. Like a lot of the time, like I love, uh, my Instagram feed is, is generally like artists and people, but then sometimes you'll click on something and click on something else and you'll just be like, oh my god, this person is so beautiful and like everything about their life seems unattainable and you're just like, I'm just going to be a miserable shit for the rest of all that. It's usually like a 10 minute moment, but I'm sure there are people who like have this all the fucking time and that's just horrible and I feel like, you know, I feel like Cult of Luna, the Mariner album kind of like, the the downfall of, of nature is linked to this, this like, fucking fake, veneer bullshit branding lifestyle stuff. Yeah. And I feel like we, as a generation, it's like I was saying before, that we as a generation, I think we're going to be um, able to distance ourselves from the way, from the continued growth of sort of the technological world and social media because we grew up in a time where that wasn't prominent. But I do think that kids these days are going to be so so ingrained so ingrained in their technological devices and and kind of presenting an image of themselves online that that's going to be more important than their real world mm. kind of achievements and stuff like you know it doesn't you know your digital profile is more important than your your real life profile yeah i feel like that. i feel like it impacts your real life because your employers are going to look at that and like yeah. People who are going to sponsor you are going to look at that because that's that equals money now. How do you appear? So of course, like you're, everyone's motivated to appear like in a very particular way if they're money-minded, which a lot of people have to be. Yeah, and it's like you know, I think that's kind of like perfectly summarised. Remember that shitty meme that was going around? It was just like, oh, me on Facebook, me on Tinder. Oh, yeah, LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, oh, fuck this shit. <laughs> but no, I like. 
that's why I think music like this is just such a good fucking antidote for all that sort yeah. of bullshit. Even if it's not, they're probably not. This is. I'm not saying this album is about how much Instagram pisses them off. But, uh, <laughs> but it's definitely something I would listen to to cleanse my palate after yeah. being uh, pissed off about the way the world is. Yeah, so. definitely. I feel like this is like really grounding and like, it's just really healthy as well that like people are just saying how they fucking feel and they're not like sugarcoating it and they're not, not, not that like, you know, He's like, oh damn immigrants, it's not like that, but it's like, <laughs> it's just like, well you know what I mean, because someone could listen to that and be like, oh yes, this is a license to be a fucking racist, so I'm just saying how I feel, you know, some uh-huh. people are like that, um, I'm just um, disclaiming my my statements so that it cannot be taken out of context, um, but no, I think it's really cool that like they're being emotional in this way, and they're just, you know, it's just fucking sick. Like, thank you for bearing yourself in such a manner and doing it beautifully. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, 100% agree. I think a lot of it stems from, they've got a very hardcore punk rock aesthetic. Yeah. And I feel like uh, reading a couple of interviews, I know they're influenced by uh, some of the older bands of that ilk, even some of the early um, metalcore, pro-metalcore bands like Botch and uh, Will Haven. I love um, Botch. And uh, you, know, you can hear that. I mean, like I was saying to you guys, well, they're from California. It's the birthplace of you know both thrash and you know, mm-hmm. and hardcore, the hardcore punk scene. So it's probably California's probably done as much for the uh, music scene as uh, Birmingham, England has, because you know it's definitely uh, helped develop a lot of the subgenres that uh, massively popular. But yeah, they've just got that. Um, it's just that that punk rock fucking sensibility and honesty and like. Some of the tracks, like especially some of the shorter tracks, have got some like some really cool like dizzying riffs. Like they're quite technically proficient yeah. in a way that kind of reminds me a bit of like Dillinger Escape Plan. And you know, it's it's cool to hear. Um, I always liked the idea of hearing like uh, music's being played super well, but in a sort of a hardcore fashion. Yeah, like it's just really fucking chaotic and frenzied, and just super like yeah, just super super rad. Like I've always dug it. Yeah, the energy is like fucking sick. It's always really good. Like throughout all their music, there's always just. They don't have a bad album, in my opinion. It's always heavy. The guitar is always disgusting in like the best possible way. Like yeah. it's the kind of guitar that if you saw it live, you'd make that face. You know that face. Yeah, that's sort of the sort of like. Yeah. <laughs> You're like. <laughs> sort of face I make when you walk in here. <laughs> <laughs> you know the toilet's backed up. Yeah. It's that face. Yeah, it's, it's just fucking beautiful. I really, really hope I get to see these guys live, and I bet if if they did play live, everyone in the room would just go. Ballistic, it would be an incredible live performance. Yeah, it's, um, I think they'd be super fucking sick live. So I just had a vision of the first time I saw uh, Bosk play live. Yeah, was that and, like? Um, it, was, it was actually hilarious. It was at Bloodstock on the Sophie stage, and um, I think it was 2013, first time I saw them. And, um, and so they saw, like most of their, their album, their full length album, is quite melodic actually. It's very kind of post rocky, but some of their earlier stuff is a bit more kind of cacophonous and like an aggressive. And, um, they just go on stage and they'll just play the instrument and the singer comes out he's only on stage for when he needs to scream <laughs> so he came out screamed for a couple of minutes then pissed off while the rest of the band just played the rest and I just thought man that is so fucking cool like this dude just doesn't give a fuck he just came out screamed his lungs out for three minutes and just and everybody was just like what the fuck and then the rest of the band and he just walked off it was, oh, brilliant. It was just super fucking cool I was like it's like anti-front man just love it I love that. That is really fun. Oh. Yeah, it was super cool. That'd be really fun to like mess with people like that. Yeah. Huh. 
You can't really do that in a small venue because you'd just be on the side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just awkwardly stand up. Yeah. <laughs> just not go back up. <laughs> what would be a real fucking power move would be to do it, then fucking just climb up the stage and just be in the crowd in the front row and just watch your band play. I've seen people do that. Like, they yeah. just go into the crowd and they're just like... That'd be fucking sick. It would be pretty fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would love to see this group live. I think we would like... Um, if they could even capture an iota of the madness and the and the sheer uh, nihilism that's on record here to the stage, it'd be a worthwhile show watching. Yeah, watch. definitely. Worthwhile well, show watching. Watch, worthwhile well, show watching. Yeah, sorry, that's a... <laughs> sorry, yelled at that for a second. That sounds like a cowboy film. Yeah, worthwhile well, well, show watching. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think this album for me is number eight. I think it's a triple eight day for me. Yeah. And I, I think I would, I'd be inclined to say a uh, solid, solid eight. I'm always a bit more apprehensive to review uh, newer albums because, oh, excuse me, just uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> you just project how vomited like <laughs> That's my statement. That's my statement. Yeah. <laughs> <That's my thoughts. laughs> Concept album where it's just you vomiting and that's all the vocals. <laughs> uh, do you remember that time? I, I can't remember whose um, whose episode it was when um, we were talking about something really quite deep, and he kind of looked at me to speak, and then I just kind of like just sneezed. I was like, sorry, I just needed to fucking sneeze. Just killed the entire fucking. Yeah. <laughs> It's always the way, like, I always, like, produce some form of fucking like, gas or sneeze or, or fuck up a word when I want to say something meaningful. Like, yeah. But no, um, no, I, I fucking, I think, I think a solid eight, but um, it's an album I'll listen to. I need to, to score, to, well, fuck that, I'm totally losing the plot now. Explore their discography a bit more, because I'm not listening to, uh, to some of the earlier albums. Yeah. <laughs> Explore. Explography. <laughs> that sounds like a fucking tech. Yeah, I'm just gonna just fucking just to make speaking easier. I'm just gonna combine words. Pop one toe, everything. Yeah. yeah, that's the future that Cole and Luna were talking about, man. Just taking it back to this album quickly. I just want to say, um, I was really. Uh, it's really good to have a week where I've made two discoveries of artists. I'm gonna check out. Awesome. The both with Coroner and uh, Black Sheep Wall because I think. Um, this band does have a lot of potential, and I think that with this album, it seems like they, in my opinion, seems like they made a conscious effort to to um, present something a lot more musical that might be not necessarily more accessible, but something which might cast uh, a wider net than previous albums. Like you know, not everybody's going to want to listen to a thirty-three minute suicide note track right. as much as I fucking dig shit like that massively. <laughs> you know, it's it's uh, I think it's. Uh, a logical next step for the band, and I think they've done a great job in kind of you know taking that next leap. I would also really recommend checking out Admiral Angry as well. Yeah, I remember you showed me one of these that, that guitar tone is fucking also just ridiculous, man. It's so good, and they have like song names like Sex with a Stranger, it's just like brutal, Bog vomit. fucking just oh my god, that band is so good. Like, it's it's really tragic that yeah. um, that guy died, but. At least, you know, Black Sheep all are continuing it, and I personally think they're doing an incredible job, so I don't think, I don't think that they're letting Dan down, but that's not for me to say, so hopefully we'll talk to them next week, um, and see what, see what they have to say for themselves. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be great. So thank you so much for watching. Do you have anything else you want to say? 
No, no, I'm gonna uh, abstain from talking because I feel like my brain is on the uh, the verge of just fucking up every word. I'm <laughs> That's part of your charm. I like it when you create new words. Thank you for watching, guys. Um, it yeah, just let us know if you want us to look at anything, review anything. We're always happy to check out new music. Feel free to like and subscribe. We're on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Come and hang out with us. Tell us we're shit. Tell us we're great. Tell us you want to come on the podcast. We will listen and we will respond. Thank you and good night. Till next time. <laughs>